Well, good morning again, everybody. Great to see you on this week after Easter. And I want to take a moment before we jump into our, our message today and just uh, say thank you to a, a special group of people who really made our Holy Week services uh, pretty fantastic, reaching all the way back to the, the egg hunt the day before Palm Sunday and then stretching that whole week up to Easter Sunday this last week. And we had so many men and women and kids who helped in serving and ministering during that week. And I just wanted to say thank you to all of you who made that happen. In fact, would you guys take a moment and congratulate them? Thank you guys for investing so much here. Last week we had a, a number of you comment on the, um, the church signs that we were laughing about, the, the funny church signs, and I thought I'd go ahead and uh, uh, give you a couple more to laugh at, at today as well. So let's, let's check this one out. As we head into the summertime, this is a good one. Whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's hot where you're going. <laughs> and as, again, as summer approaches, I would 100% agree with this. God didn't create anything without a purpose, but mosquitoes come close. <laughs> Put it on a church sign. Last one. Check this out. Now, give it a second. God does not make mistakes. Well, last week, we began a new series called Promise Maker. And I think the significant part of our introduction last week was that God is not only a promise maker, but he's a keeper of his promises. And he's got four core promises Four things that he's always wanted to do in our lives. And last week we talked about how these are represented in Passover. And the Jewish will call them the four I wills. Because God states that I will do these things. And so let's look at them again. It's Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. And you can follow along on the screen with me today. It says, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Today you'll see the underlined section of this passage. It's what we're going to talk about this morning. It's promise number two. It says, I will free you from being a slave to them. And so there's these four I wills. I want to take just a moment and refresh our memory on them. God says, I am the Lord and I will do these four things. And promise number one is that I will bring you out. It's a promise of salvation. And we did talk about this this last week at Easter. The first thing that God wants to do is just get you out from underneath the yoke, underneath the heaviness, underneath the bondage of life. And that's what salvation is bringing you out of the old and into the new. And we talked about that last week. You can check it out online if you uh, did not hear that message. But then there's promise number two, and that is, I will free you. This is the promise of freedom, and we're going to circle back around and talk about that today. So God saying, I want to get you out of slavery, and now I want to get the slavery out of you. There's something that I want to do inside of your life, The first promise was about the external circumstances. The second promise is about the internal, what's going on inside of you. In a way, you could view this as spiritual rehab. God is wanting to do something inside of you, and that's our focus today. Promise number three is I will redeem you. This is his promise of restoration. 
God says, I want to redeem you. I want to get you back to the original purpose and intent that I created you for. And so I'm excited. We're going to talk about that next week. And then promise number four, I will take you as my own. This is God's promise for fulfillment. Today in the world that we live, people are looking for fulfillment. They're looking a lot of different places for it, and they don't recognize that fulfillment is actually wrapped up in this promise that God has made to his people. And we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. It's going to be good. But today, let's focus on the second I will. I will free you. Promise number two. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. The, the promise of freedom. And this promise is directly linked to salvation that we talked about last week. And yet, it's very distinct. It's very different. In promise number one, God brought you out of Egypt. He brought you out of bondage. And now he needs to get the bondage out of you. And that's what promise number two is about. So as I mentioned, it's a completely different process than salvation. And the Apostle Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter two. You can read along with me today. Um, It says, work hard. Work hard. Work hard not to get saved, but he says this, work hard to show the results of your salvation. So I want you, before we even go past that, I want you to recognize this is very different than salvation. You're already saved in this passage here. He's talking about working hard to show the results of the salvation. Those of you who are looking to do something when it came to salvation, that's not how salvation works. That's not how it works at all. Salvation is not what you do. Salvation is what Christ has already done. Can I get an amen on that? Okay. Salvation is not what you do. Salvation is what Christ has already done for you. But now that you're saved, there are some things that God wants you to do. There are some things that God wants to do in you. And this is the promise that we're talking about, number two. It's a promise where God calls you to something. You're to work hard to show the results of your salvation. And Paul goes on to say, For God is now working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So this is a new thing. It's a brand new process. God wants to change you now. Okay, there's that change word. God wants to do something in you. He actually wants to do some life-giving work inside of you. And promise number one, he wanted to get you out of the bondage, but now he wants to do something inside of your life. And it's, it's, it's great when we get to talk about these two promises, number one and two, when they're side by side, because you can see how they are linked, and yet they're very distinct. Because salvation, promise number one, salvation happens in an instant. Just like that. Jesus comes in and he, he just cleans the slate. Right? But there's the second promise, freedom. And it's not instantaneous. We wished it was instantaneous, but it's not instantaneous. It's a process. And promise number one was about what Christ has done. And promise number two, God is looking to you now to do something. There's something that he's calling you to do. 
But you'll look in this passage here and you're going to see in Philippians chapter 2 that there's something God is doing. There's two things that he's committed to. This is his part. He said, I'm going to give you new desires and I'm going to give you the power to do it. So this is a partnership that he's calling you to. I'm going to do my part, but now there's something that I'm expecting you to do as well. And that's what we're going to look at today. So let's, let's talk about that. And in order to do that, I want to talk about why it works that way, okay? So you and I are what's called triune beings. That means we have three parts. The scripture talks about this. The first one is that you have a body. There's, there's, there's the physical side of you. And it's the part that we all see. But your body has some issues. All of our bodies have issues, It wants things that aren't necessarily good for us, like fried chicken, things like that. That may sound really petty, but here's the deal. Our body has cravings, it has appetites, it has lusts, and these things, the body wants to make itself feel good, but it has absolutely no regard for the rest of you. Just feed me my appetite. That's what the body is. And you don't want your body in charge because if your body's in charge, you're going to have a very reckless life. Now, the second part of you is there is the soul, and that's best defined as the mind, the will, and the emotions. So not only do you have this physical part, but you also have these feelings and these thoughts and all kinds of things that are going on inside of you. But once again, you don't want your mind directing. You don't want your soul or your soul man directing your life because a person who lets their emotions lead, well, it's a destructive life. But thirdly, there's a third part of you, and mankind is the only part of God's creation that has this. This is why scripture says that we were made in God's image, and it's the spirit part of us. This is the part that's like God. We're made in his image. Scripture says that God is spirit and that we were made in his image. This is the part of you that lives forever. So when promise number one happens and and you got saved, it's the spirit part of you that gets totally cleansed, completely becomes completely new. A brand new slate. Jesus comes in, he pays for your sins, and he makes your spirit man perfect. But here's the problem. You still have a body and a soul. And your body and your soul still have their issues. And that explains why there are Christians who love the Lord, they're going to heaven, and yet they still struggle with lusts, they still struggle with depression, they still struggle with issues, because The body and the soul are still very much there. And God says, now it's time to get to work. Let's do this. God doesn't want you to stay that way. It's one of the things I love about our God. When he looks at you and he sees sees all your junk. He sees all your issues. He looks at you and he loves you. But he loves you so much that he is not willing to let you stay that way. And that's what promise number two is all about. I will set you free. So here's the goal. 
Here's the goal in promise number two, is that your spirit man would become stronger than your body and your soul. So your body and your soul are not leading your life. They're not telling you what to do and how your life is going to be led. Your spirit is. Scripture refers to this numerous times about whether or not you're being led by the flesh or you're being led by the spirit. Some of you can really identify with this because you love the Lord, but at times you're still controlled by your body and your soul. You're still controlled by the appetite. You're still controlled by the the thinking. And if that's you, you're a great candidate for promise number two. But let's be honest here. That's all of us. That's all of us. You don't want your body and your soul in charge. It will mess you up when you live your life controlled by feel-good desires of your flesh or if you are directed by swinging emotions vacillating back and forth. It will mess you up. And some of you may be sitting in your chair today and saying, yes, I know. But here is God's promise to you. I'll set you free from that. It's beautiful. It's a God who loves you just as you are, but he loves you so much that he's not willing to leave you that way. So God wants to see the spirit man so strong in us that it begins to influence and control the body and the soul. The Bible calls this regeneration, that we are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We're becoming more and more like him. And at the same time, we're closing the door on control of the body and the spirit. So they have less of a voice less of an influence, less control, and your spirit is getting stronger and more dominant and more dominant. Now, you know, as well as I do, here's, here's the word that, I use, that, that I've heard. Oh, let's be honest, this is the word I used to. Um, we say like, oh man, I don't have a filter today. What does that mean? It means that when things come in my mind, they come right out my mouth. And my soul, my spirit is not strong enough to grab a hold of those things and say no. Come on, let's be honest. You had things pop in your head that shouldn't come out your mouth. (laughs) But it doesn't mean that those don't happen. It means that your spirit gets strong enough that it starts to control what you say, what you do. And that's what God is talking about here, this freedom that he is talking about. He set your spirit free. He cleansed it. He, he, re, he, he just gave it a clean slate, and now he wants that to lead your life. But we have this, this issue. It's called the body, and it's called the soul, and we need to address those. So there's three things that Scripture talks about in addressing these Uh, these challenges here, three focuses of promise number two, three things that God calls us to in gaining this promise of freedom. The first one is simply victory over sin. Victory over sin. Ultimately, listen, God wants you to be free of all sin, to have victory over sin, over you making bad decisions. And so here's one of our, you know, just real honesty moments. You make bad decisions. I make bad decisions. I don't need the devil's influence to make those bad decisions. I don't need other people's influence to make those bad decisions. I just make bad decisions. In fact, you could define sin as the stuff that you do to yourself. It's your choices. And God wants to set you free 
from that sin. He wants you to have victory over sin, victory over your bad decisions. Maybe you've said to yourself, I struggle with that, and is that the way that it's going to be forever? Am I always going to struggle with this? And the answer is, not if God has his way. Freedom is God's plan. And at some point, we've got to shut down sin's control once and for all in our life. That's God's plan. Romans chapter 7 says it this way. I love this passage. Um, It's written by the Apostle Paul. So here's the deal. An apostle is struggling with the same thing that we're talking about today. All right? So you're in good company. All right? Listen. So I find this law at work in me. Although I want to do good, in in my spirit I want to do good, and yet evil is right there with me. In my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, and it's waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. You see this struggle that he's got right now, and he's being really open and transparent about it. What's happening inside my spirit is freedom, and I want good things, but what's happening on the outside is this sin, and, and there's, a, there's a struggle here. And then he, just, then he just says, what a wretched man I am. One of the things I love about Paul is he's really transparent about who he is without Christ and who he is with Christ. Without Christ, what a messed up wreck I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then he answers the question. That's another thing I love about Paul is he answers his own questions, right? Thanks be to God who delivers me. He sets me free through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's the promise of number two, this promise of freedom through Jesus Christ. God wants to set us free from the domination of sin in our life. He wants us to have victory over it. He wants that spirit man to begin to gain control over all of those other things. And it comes through Jesus Christ. The second thing that you're going to need in order to experience freedom of the spirit in your life and for your spirit to thrive is that you're going to have to have healing from your wounds. Now, this is a really touchy topic because everybody's been through junk. In fact, if sin, if we define sin as the stuff you do to yourself, wounds is what others do to you. It's the hurt and the pain that you're left with and it wasn't even your fault. Someone did something against you. You were hurt by someone else or maybe you experienced a tragedy in your life and it left a wound and you're left with that. But listen, here's one of those things that we've got to understand. We've got to set this straight. Time does not heal wounds. Time covers them up, but they're still there. You don't need time to get over past hurt. You need healing to get over past hurt. Because hurt is really like an anchor in your life. It keeps you from going. It keeps you from moving. And if you just throw stuff on top of it, it just makes it worse. Time will not erase it. It just covers it up and adds more stuff on there. God says, I want you to be healed of those wounds. I want you to be set free from the past. And here's the the challenge with this. If you don't deal with your wounds, you're going to end up getting stuck 
right here in this promise of freedom. And it's not going to allow you to move on to finding your purpose and fulfillment. Those are the next two promises that are beautiful. They're things that that survey says that 85% of Christians never move past this thing. They never move into promise number three and number four of finding your purpose and fulfilling it because we wrestle with letting go. So I get it. I'm being very honest with you. I get it. It's hard because what this involves is the hard work of forgiveness. It's releasing things. It's letting people go who have hurt you. It's letting situations go that have been tragedy or trauma in your life. It's releasing them for the sake of freedom because God wants you to live free. He doesn't want those anchors in your life that are holding you back, and you don't want to carry those around. We love God, and yet oftentimes at the same time, we're holding on to things in the past. And God says, if you want my purpose, if you want to come with me, if you want to see these four promises fulfilled in your life, you've got to let go of that. There's got to be some healing of your wounds. Lastly, not only do you need to recognize that you have your own sin to deal with and that you have wounds that are caused by others, but Scripture also says that you've got an enemy And you need to learn how to take authority over the enemy. Now, I'm not sure where you stand on this, honestly. I'm not sure whether you think this is real or not, but I have news for you. You do have an enemy. Scripture says he prowls around like a lion, seeking those whom he may devour. He's looking to steal from you. He's looking to kill things. He's looking to destroy your life. Does that mean that there's a devil around every corner? No. A lot of it is simply our own bad decisions. Listen, if you make bad decisions, you can't blame the devil for that. It's just the truth. You've got to own the decisions in your own life. You've got to get healing from what people have caused, but you also have to recognize that there is an enemy who is opposed to you. Because of your association with Jesus Christ, he is intent on destroying your life. And at some point, you have to learn how to take authority over the devil. Now, again, this is what I love about Paul. Paul being very honest, you can't do that on your own. But Christ in you, absolutely. You're more than a conqueror. And in this passage, he says that you can stand against the devil. Let's look at this. Ephesians chapter 6 Verses 10 through 12, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Not in your mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And then put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil is scheming. He is planning things against you. He is. He's planning things against you, but you can stand against him. Scripture goes on to say, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of darkness in this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we think that sometimes our struggle is with one another. We think that it's the wounds of this person who did something against me And we get our focus on that person, and that's not really where our struggle is. 
That's not really what we wrestle with. We get our focus on one another, and that's what the enemy loves. We have an enemy. And if you want to experience freedom in your life, if you want to see promise number two fulfilled in your life, you got to stop making bad decisions. you got to get victory over sin. You've got to have healing in your life from past wounds. And you've got to recognize that you have an enemy. And you've got to take authority over him. Now, all three of those are sermons in themselves, and we don't have time for that today. But we have a real enemy who really does scheme against us. And if you have... Uh, if you have struggled with sin, if you struggled with wounds, if you struggled with the enemy attacking you, again, you're a great candidate for this promise number two. So here's where it starts. This is pretty significant, especially for the church. So I want you to read this with me. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. We'll start with verse 1. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And I just want to say to you that if you want to pursue promise number two, you have to listen to this passage right here. Because if you let shame or if you let embarrassment keep you in that stuck condition, you're never going to experience freedom. And I think this is a huge message for the church because we are good at wearing a mask. We are good at covering up. We're good at being fake and, uh, and hiding our problems. We're good at that. We walk in on a Sunday, well, bless God, brother, it's good to see you. You, you too. Lord's, Lord's blessings on you. And like we act like everything is okay. And it's going to take an opportunity for us to just admit. Let, let, me, let me speak loving truth to you today, okay? You have issues. I have issues. Every one of us, we have issues. We're not perfect. There's things that God wants to do inside of us because he wants us to live this abundant life. He didn't want you to have to be stuck in those issues. He wants freedom for you, but you've got issues, and he's looking at him, he's saying, just let me have them. Let me have them. I don't want you to have them anymore. That's every one of us. That's what this promise number two is about. And so you start here and you say, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I'm not condemned. Even in my issues, you're not condemned. Even with your junk, you're not condemned. The rest of the passage says this, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That is this promise number two. This life-giving spirit is going to set you free. That's what God wants for you. So let me ask you this question. What has the most control over what you think? What has the most control in your life over what you think? And I'll give you a broad answer here based on scripture, based on years of pastoral experience here, it's who you surround yourself with and what you surround yourself with. The Bible calls those your associations. If you want to change how you think, then you need to change your associations. If you get around the right people, the right people, you have the right associations in your life, they are going to strengthen your spirit man. If the goal is that your spirit becomes strong enough to control 
everything else, then your spirit has got to be built up. And so my question, my second question to you is, who are you surrounding yourself with that builds up your spirit? And don't say Pastor Patrick, because I see you for like 40 minutes a week. That's it. Who do you surround yourself with? I can tell you my core relationships in my life. I can tell you why I've chosen those people. Let me tell you what it's not based on. It's not based on their age. It's not based on their kid's age. It's not based on their life circumstances. It's not based on do we like to go fishing together. It's not based on any of those things. It's based on this one thing. Do they lift my spirit up? So my core relationships, I have an 80-year-old man. I have a 70-year-old couple. I have a 47-year-old man, and I have a 35-year-old man. I think he's 35. These guys are people who lift my spirit up. They strengthen my spirit. Now listen, I like, I like fishing. I like playing basketball. I like hanging out. I like doing these things. But my core relationships, my associations are based on one thing. Are these guys really lifting up my spirit? Are they strengthening me? And you know what that feels like. Come on, let's be honest. You know what it's like when you hang out with somebody. If, they are, if they're edifying, you walk away feeling lifted up. If they're not, if they drain on you, you walk away and you just feel zapped. And you know that there are relationships that you have that lift you up, and you know there are some that tear you down. You know there are some that direct you in the right direction, and you know that there are some relationships that tempt you to walk the other way. The scripture says your associations are key to your freedom. They're key to your freedom. So this is where God says, there's something that you got to do now. I'll do my part. Okay, I'm going to put new desires in your heart. I'm going to give you the power to follow through with those. But you have got to do something now. These associations, these are up to you. Who you spend your time with, what you spend your time with, who you surround yourself with is either going to lift up your spirit man or not. So these are our three associations here that I want to talk about. Uh, and, and we're going to close with this this morning. Three actions or places that you can find these associations. The first one is that you can make a public declaration of your decision to follow Christ through water baptism. Now, why is water baptism important? Well, it's not just an act. It's that you are declaring an association. It's good for your spirit. It's good for those who witness it. It's also good for the spirit realm that you're saying, I associate with Jesus Christ. Water baptism is not salvation. Not any more than this wedding ring is, is marriage. This wedding ring is a sign that I am married. Water baptism is a sign that you are saved. It's a declaration. I associate with Jesus Christ. That's why I think it's a big deal. If you've never been water baptized... I encourage you to do it. Follow through with it. I'll give you an easy way to do this, okay? On the back of your connection card, there's a box that says baptism. Just check it and get it to us. We'll follow up with you, and we'll talk through that and get you plugged into it. It's a significant thing. It's a public declaration of your association with Christ. Second one, second association, church membership. Some people like membership. Some people are, are kind of weary of it. And, and they, they're hesitant. Here's, here's, why, here's why this is significant. You're fellowshipping with the body of Christ. Now, I'm not, I'm not uh, saying the 
the local church as much as I'm saying the capital C church, the church worldwide, all right? It doesn't have to be this church, but I can tell you that you need to find a church that you can commit to and you can fellowship with. Why? Because it's a significant part of your association. It's a significant part of building up that spirit man so that you have the strength to overcome this thing that we call sin or bondage in our life. God wants to set you free. Listen to this. There are 30 verses in the New Testament alone that assume that you have found a body, a family, a group of people to worship with, that you have found a group of people to serve with. You can't do this on your own. Church is important. You found a group of people to give with. You found a group of people to pray with. I have met a lot of people who say, I love Jesus, I just don't love church. I said, that's fine. You can love Jesus without church, but I will tell you that church is going to help you in this life to live free and to pursue him because you need those relationships. You need those associations. You can't do this on your own. And so there's 30 verses just in the New Testament that talk about your association with a body that you're, you're choosing. I, this is my group. This is my spiritual family. So again, like if you're interested, if, you, if you're interested in membership, you can take that same connection card. There's a box on there that says membership. We'll follow up with you. In fact, right after this service, Pastor Joe's going to be teaching the starting point class that he talked about. It's the pathway to membership, and you can learn more about the church. The last one, I'm going to move along quickly. You need to find a small group of people that you'll spend time with and that you'll open up with about those areas that God wants to bring freedom to in your life. If you hide the issues, you can't address them. That's why scripture talks about sharing those things with one another, bearing one another's burdens. These kinds of verses talk about this relationship that's so vital. And those of you who are part of a small group, you have experienced this life-giving power of biblical community. You understand the value of what I'm talking about. You understand how valuable it is to have these relationships. So you're not just saying, I associate with Christ, I fellowship with his church, but you're saying, and I do life with this group of people. They know me more than anybody else does. They know my struggles. They know my issues. And guess what? They still love me. Even with all my junk, they're such a great picture of Jesus Christ. They still love me, even with all of my junk. It's so valuable to get plugged into a smaller group of people. And there's no better way to journey through life than in a life-giving spiritual community. So I want to encourage you in that as well. As you leave today, I think there's still, at our, at our Welcome Center, there's a list of small groups that you can get plugged into. Why are these things important? Is this just a pitch to try and get people baptized into membership and into small groups? No. These are all about associations from the top down. From my association with Christ himself to my fellowship within the body to my walking through life together. These people are building up and edifying my spirit man. And why is that important? Because my spirit has got to gain control. It's got to be strengthened. It has got to become dominant. Jesus set it free and he cleaned it up. And now the whole purpose of this, the way that we were created was to be led by our spirit, not by our flesh. So when we're making decisions, 
when we're choosing the words to speak and our actions and places to go and things to do, our spirit is the one who is making that decision. So we're going to close up here these two promises that we really we've, uh, last week we started in, today we just really dipped our toe into promise number two. Again, it's a, there's a lot to be, um, a lot to be addressed on it. And we've got two more promises to go in the next couple of weeks. But I want to pray for those two things this morning, these two promises. Promise number one, salvation. If you're here today and you have never said yes to God's very first promise, that he just wanted to get you out from your current circumstance. He wanted to get you out of the old life and get you into a new one. If you've never said yes to that promise, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now before we close. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, let's pray this prayer. If that's you today, I invite you to pray this with me today. You can say, Jesus, thank you for doing uh, what I couldn't do. Thank you for bringing the promise of salvation to me. And Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I also believe that you rose to new life so that I could have a new life. And so today, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and come into my life as my Lord and my Savior from this day forward. I pray this in your name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, I keep going back to this connection card. Um, if you prayed that prayer, on the back of that card is, is a yes box. And we just want to be able to pray with you. This is what church family does. We celebrate together. We, we support. We pray. We encourage. And we want to be able to do that with you today. And so if you would take a moment and check that box. At the end of our service today, we're going to have some uh, prayer leaders up here, some prayer teams to be able to pray with the congregation. And if you check that box, you, would you take that card to them today so that they could pray with you and just encourage you? And in fact, would you guys take a moment and congratulate those this morning who made that decision? Hey, let's, let's wrap it up. We've got communion that we're going to move into next. And communion is a beautiful picture of remembering the price that Jesus paid so that we could be free. The, the promises that we're talking about were all fulfilled in him. But none of it would have been possible if he had not said okay to the Father. If he would not have said, all right, I will go to them. I will live for them. I will die for them so that they can have freedom. These are the things we, we, we celebrate in our communion. We need to remember the price that he paid, but why he did it. Guys, don't forget why he did it. This is not just an opportunity for us to eat bread and drink juice. That's not what this is. If you forget, if you detach our, our method here with the motive of why, then you've forgotten. He did this so that you could have promise number one, salvation, and promise number two, freedom in your life. Let's pray as we transition into communion today. Father, we thank you again for your promises. Thank you that you are a keeper of your promises, Lord. And today, God, we ask that you would strengthen us through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would allow us to do the work of gaining victory over sin in our life. 
that you would help us, Lord, um, to bring healing to all the past hurts in our lives. And finally, Lord, we thank you um, that you give us the power and the authority over the enemy. And we thank you, Lord, that those three things are all found in you. And we celebrate that this morning with communion. And we, again, we ask for your Holy Spirit now to begin to do the work inside of us. It's in Christ's name we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen.